When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And the ending of the whole story as well, as you were saying, Mike, about that that nothing happens, where it's this kind of, that kind of like Hollywood kiss in the night, um, and there's there's just on like a rainy high street, and there's a Greg's. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw that. I was like, and Greg's. It's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went to Greg's today for lunch. But how how nice is that? They're just kind of like the glamour and the beauty in the mundane. I thought that's quite just a nice, quite endearing ending. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Joining Flix Watcher today, we have Sarah. Hi. Meg. Hi. And Kobe. Hey. And we're going to be talking about human traffic. Thank you as always to the mighty people for their mighty tunes and thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his editing skills. Please do remember, if you're listening to us right now, to head over to Spotify and or Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review because it really does help us. And also join the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and also Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast. Our guests today are Sarah and Meg. Over to you please, Meg, to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hello, I'm Meg. I'm a freelance writer uh, who writes about film and culture for uh, magazines like Stylist and Glamour. And yeah, that is what I do. (laughs) Um, but you just talk about film for those ones, Stylist and Glamour. Is it, do you branch out a bit wider as well? Yeah, no. So I um, I do actually write about pretty much everything under the sun for, for those two places. Um, I like to try and focus on film, TV, uh, because that's where my interests sort of lie. But um, yeah, if you're interested, you can find me writing about women's lifestyle, careers, uh, the odd sort of news piece. Yeah, whole range. Very versatile. (laughs) (laughs) There's a pitch to a lot of editors there. Yes. (laughs) Hire me. I can do anything. (laughs) I really enjoyed the opportunities that both those magazines had for kind of exploring Barbie over the summer. There was just like loads of really, really great pieces that were available. And yeah, it's just, it's not very often that kind of like female lifestyle get to really have like their film moment and it just felt that lots of people got different opportunities to kind of talk about things that obviously like burning things and it's like yes we've got our moment to to get in on the conversation 
Yeah, 100%. I think that film resonated with like so many people and well, so many women, particularly in so many different ways. I did a piece for Glamour on the whole depression Barbie moment, which I really enjoyed uh, purely because of the 1995 Pride and Prejudice reference, which like I think I screamed out loud when it came on the screen just because I was like, how does she know? (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it was um, it was like such a surprising film in in so many ways that I was really impressed with, but also managed to be um, have something for everyone. Yeah. Uh, who are you in my left hand corner? Hi, um, my name's Sarah Collier. I'm a PhD researcher and writer in English and film, and I also work in the documentary distribution business. So, what inspired you to do a PhD? Is assume it's in film, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I, I really hated my job, so I um so I wanted to go back to school. Fuck this. <laughs> no, no. I I I've always been I've always been interested in the subject area. I do like masculinity and war. So I I just kind of naturally progressed into thinking about how these ideas are portrayed on screen and um especially how they intersect with like technology and visual culture and stuff. So so yeah, it, it felt like the right time to to go and and do that and i'm just like slowly painfully crawling to the end of it right now well good luck to you good luck to you thank you <laughs> um it was your choice of film today you chose uh, nothing to do with war uh potentially i was commentary on masculinity in the 90s you chose human trafficking you tell us why first of all you chose it and i'll get the timer out shortly and you'll have 60 seconds or less to give us your synopsis yeah so i chose it because it's an old favourite. I, I watched it when I was growing up. I mean, like, I was six when it came out, so I, I can't say that I was immersed in the club culture of Wales at the time. Um, <laughs> but me, me just dying a little death at you being six when this came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I will say is that I think it does speak to a certain part of, like, British youth and growing up, regardless of when you when you did that whole thing, when you did like being in your early 20s and and partying and feeling a bit directionless. So it is a time capsule um, on the one hand, but also I think there is a a bit of a universality and a timelessness to it. Um, Yeah, I really love the energy and the kind of chaos and just the sheer joy. Um, I love the fact that you can watch it and you can unpack it and you can think about social commentary if you want, but you also really don't have to and you can just you know, sit down, enjoy the ride. It's not really that deep. Uh, <laughs> had you seen this before or even heard about it before, uh, Meg? You come from Canada, so... Yes, no, this was like very far from my radar. <laughs> I had never seen it, never heard of it, um, but was, yeah, very excited to to watch it. Well, I look forward to look forward to finding out your thoughts in a second. Let's get to the, to the <laughs> synopsis in 60 seconds or less. Timer starting now. Human Traffic is a 1999 comedy drama coming of age story directed by Justin Kerrigan, set during the twilight of the 90s rave culture in Cardiff. The narrative happens over the space of largely 24 hours and follows a group of friends in their early 20s. So that's Jip, played by John Sim, Coop, Lulu, Nina and Moth, played by Danny Dyer, as they finish their dead-end jobs on a Friday and they go out on a big drug-fueled night out, and that's basically it. Um, But interwoven through this seemingly very basic arc, uh, 
of, you know, getting pilled up and then coming down. We've got all of these kind of themes of like growing up and relationships, masculinity, um, belonging, and also a, a subtly acerbic commentary on the political media landscape at the time. Um, well, there's a timer. Perfect. Helen, when when Sarah said she was six when this came out, what was your thought? Uh, I just felt very old <laughs> for that moment. Uh, I mean, I probably would have been maybe 17 or 18 when I saw this. I don't think I saw it came out. So, like, 1999 was, like, the golden year, I think, for cinema. And, the, like, if you have a look at films that came out, like, there's so many, like, classic films and, like, defining moments in cinema happened in 1999 it also happened to be the period when my town didn't have a cinema they basically closed one and they hadn't built the other one so I didn't get to see a lot of these films at the cinema so my first experience of this was on um I think probably watching it on VHS uh so that kind of like pitches where the time that I I saw this um but yeah it was it was a it was a complete like flashback to the 90s and I really enjoyed revisiting it and remembering where we said things like kushti and uh, like do those things where we like twisted our little hair and like put little clips in them. And uh, when Danny Dyer was an actor, which uh, <laughs> seems like a very long time ago. Yeah, I, I also, I mean, I, this came out in 99. I didn't see this at cinema, but I was at university and this would have been a VHS that I watched. I'm sure I watched it like almost like once a week just with the guys and in our lounge I lived in, I lived in a house of 10, 10 guys me included um, it was an absolute shit tip uh, but it was, it was a fun place to live and films like this and Clark's and just there was just lots of films just were just like on pretty much all the time and this is one of them um, it's such a shock to see this now because it has been I'm sure it's been 20 years since I watched it <laughs> I remember so much Um and also, also, there's some key places, there's some interesting parts, but I, I can't believe it happened. They, they did this in the film, um, <laughs> but I was really excited to watch it again. <laughs> but I was just laughing. I was laughing so much because I'm. It was just. It's just so bizarre seeing all these actors looking really, really, really young, and thinking back to when I watched this. Then thinking, wow, these guys are like they, they've got it sorted. They know what they're doing with their life, and they're having a lot of fun with it. But now I just kind of think they're kind of young young kids um, who haven't started life really it's like whoa it's like some kind of therapy I think watching it was yeah. like whoa <laughs> life makes sense now <laughs> <laughs> so Meg to you not have not heard of this before I thought this would be a very um, you're, you're from Canada so this is a very UK centric film how do you how do you did Trainspotting make it over your way yeah I mean I think I saw train spotting for the first time after I'd moved here but okay. I was aware very much aware of it as a it I think it crossed the sort of border um maybe a little bit more it's kind of it's nice hearing you both speak about it I feel like um like sad that I don't get to watch it through those eyes I guess <laughs> because it's a very different experience um mm -hmm. I just felt like quite anxious <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, it's still going. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, it's, it's super funny and playful. And I love like how it captures the kind of cheeky side of what I think is still of a huge part of British um, y- young people in Britain have have that still, even if the culture has changed a little. Um, and I kind well, I guess I moved here into my early 20s. So I, I have been around young people in Britain. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to see. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? It sounds, you sound Amber like I don't know, some oldie, old person. <laughs> I have been around. I'm, I guess, still probably a young person. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I culturally is like the time divorce is um, part part of it, but the uh, from the Canadian culture I've experienced, it's it's quite separate too. So yeah, it was it was very fun to watch. Yeah. I think this this film is ridden on the coattails of uh, Train Spotting, certainly, which was the main kind of and kind of urban Welsh side of things as well. And there was a spate of these kind of films. Um, I can't none of them kind of spring to mind, but just just the the, the youth popping out of the screen. It's like uh, Twin Town, I Twin think, Town, was the, yeah. the other one, isn't um, it? Very very much indie based, very much pop culture based, very much like um, off the cuff and. Acerbic in a way. Um, Would you say it's like an antidote to train spotting, though? Yeah, it's a it's a lot happier and has a more positive outlook. And like, I think if you maybe had seen like train spotting before you moved to the UK, you may not have wanted to go <laughs> over here. Because, like, that is like a very, very, very kind of extreme sort of area of English kind of like life. Whereas human traffic, there's a lot more kind of like similarities and a bit more familiar in and it, it's there's like there are some like really serious moments like his mum being a prostitute is is quite heavy and that kind of how that impacts his overall kind of like mental health and his own like sexual issues which I'd completely not remembered mm. so it does kind of explore those kind of like strange issues to bring in but they they explore it in a different way but yeah it's a lot more optimistic and ultimately um they're when they're partying, they're having a good time and the come down only really lasts Sunday. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think this is a lot more upbeat. I didn't, like, go into it going, oh, this is going to be quite, like, um, a hard watch. Um, yeah. I do see, Meg, I do see what you're saying, though, about um, feeling anxious. <laughs> um, even being, like, even, uh, yeah, not being in my 20s anymore, Um I just felt really scared that they were gonna like in day like they were gonna like fall off the balcony or like, they were they were like driving a car on the way home and I was like oh my god don't do that are you at least wearing a seatbelt not in the nineties <laughs> I think just just things like the um, just smoking everywhere for example that put me on edge like smoking, smoking inside <laughs> yeah you, you can't. Can you do that? No, you can't do that. You can't do it. Smoking that. in the back of a taxi? Like, yeah. could you imagine doing that now? Your Uber kind of like rocks up and you get in the back, start having a couple of fags. Like, yeah, there goes your rating. Yeah, to Travis Bickle. <laughs> yeah. Fag in hand. <laughs> I think it definitely speaks to something about our generation, though, Sarah, as like millennials, uh, the people I've, the people I know, my friends, I feel like we have become this like super anxious generation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Since COVID, especially, I don't know. I'm just like, they, there are too many people in that car. There's like too many people on that balcony. I don't know. Just anxiety ridden now, I guess. <laughs> what did you guys make of the kind of 
almost like the vignette aspect of it. So it read, it kind of transpired like a like a sketch with the with the with, with sketches with like loose with a loose storyline that took them from A to B. Um, and this was a bit on this time. I felt maybe could have lost some of the, some of the sketches um, that didn't work so well. And I I couldn't remember some of them like the um, the weird kind of bit in the in the McDonald's type place where they're all kind of doing the robotic movements. And I was like, what's what's going on here? I couldn't remember that. I can remember this, the spermy guy. Which, what do you think of that, Meg? For example, I, that was that that I thought that was a bit wild. <laughs> for example, yeah, I. I used to study acting, so to to me that scene kind of felt like um like a group of kids in a drama class had yeah. been like, this is so cool if we do all this movement and like um so it's kind of charming in that way, I guess. But I I yeah, that scene in particular, I was like, okay. <laughs> May, maybe that's too much. Because <laughs> that's quite early on in the film as well, as, as a that's a weird thing. Yeah, it's like a cutting edge, a cutting edge for like drama in, in Cardiff in 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 the nineties though. So, um, yeah, props. You, I mean, what about yourself, Helen? When was the last time you watched it, and what was it? What you remembered? Uh, it was a long, long time ago, and I can't. I could just remember like John Sim's face and the scene where they're they're like looking at their eyes, and because <laughs> it's obviously on the poster, and it's really really funny. And then all the um, the stuff like Jungle is Massive yeah. and the the dancing and the record shop stuff was just just like real flashbacks to that and the music. Although the one thing that I think it doesn't quite have is it doesn't have like the big musical hooks that um, maybe Train Spotting have, which would probably go to the fact that it probably didn't have that big a budget. But yeah, I still it's still got the same energy that I remember and just them kind of like getting ready to go out and kind of the outfits and the just like jumping around their very untidy bedrooms and things just that's I think that's what I remember the kind of the mundane stuff being put on screen uh, and kind of like celebrated it was just like oh yeah yeah we just like that Yay. <laughs> yeah I that's something that I really take away from it as well as like especially watching it now is how normal they all look. Like the actors and stuff, they're not they're not like Instagramified or with like shiny teeth and perfect hair or whatever. They just look very, very normal in a really refreshing way, I think, with excellent outfits as well. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think at one point John Tim was probably my favourite actor. And I, oh, I think that would have come from this. Um there's also a TV show called The Lakes, which I loved back at university. But I haven't really followed him much since then. It's good to see him pop up, but when he, you know, if you're if you're hooving, watching him play the master in, in early uh, reiterations of the revised Doctor Who, for example, and him, so him and him and um, and Danny were really strange to me to see them again on screen because um, I hadn't. I think I, I really like Danny at this point because he's doing Danny Dyer's doing a lot of these other things like this, like it's Harry on the boat and these kind of. Um, slightly gangster side of things and it was a bit like oi 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 kind of white boy this is another thing by the way I don't it, it's they went to interesting lengths to get people who didn't have a Cardiff accent to be in Cardiff at the same time because none of the main yeah. cast were from, from Cardiff um, I, <laughs> and they always yeah, explain so, <laughs> it <laughs> maybe that's how they all got together but we're not from Cardiff so just excuse this. We just want you people in the film and we can have some like random <laughs> yeah. story to explain why you don't have that this kind of accent. So Danny Dyer, and what I wanted to what I was really looking forward to seeing and this rewatch 20 years down the line was to see um how many people had 
blossomed out of it because I knew Danny died well he's, he's done his thing um, and John Sims probably the biggest actor I thought going in, coming out of this but Andrew Lincoln I think he's the biggest actor that came out of this Egg Egg <laughs> as well I would have known him as Egg at this point um, but yeah going on to be in, in The Walking Dead and the, I think he's, you know, he's probably the biggest actor now certainly from this film but what about yourselves I don't know what was your relationship with any of the actors had you seen them before this had you uh, for the most part it felt like sort of unfamiliar faces although obviously I was familiar with Danny Dyer as sort of a figure um, oh really but they okay. I mean yeah so I mean I the what's his sorry what's his name the walking dead actor Andrew Lincoln Andrew Lincoln yeah yeah I was like uh, oh that's weird <laughs> when he <laughs> popped up on the screen <laughs> I just was expecting it to be like a sea of un, sort of unfamiliar faces so yeah, I think that kind of helps my viewing experience that they just felt like very normal, at least to look at very normal people. Sarah? Uh, yeah, same. I'm not super familiar with any of them apart from uh, John Sim and, and Danny Dyer. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I quite like Danny Dyer. I quite like how he's become a sort of British institution, I guess. Um, and people have sort of reluctantly come to love him over the years. <laughs> Sean Parks was in... Small axe, mangrove. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Who's, who's the main? Is is the main guy in Small Axe, and his acting in that was like absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah. So I was really, I was really, really keen. I was really made up to see him again. I haven't seen, but, but this is the first time I saw him. But the other guys, uh, actor, the female actors, I don't just, I just don't recall seeing them again, unfortunately. Helen, anything from yourself with the with the actors at all? No, um, I mean, I, I don't really watch much TV, so I think I probably missed most of the, the, the later stuff that people were doing. But um, yeah, I'd completely forgotten that Andrew Lincoln was in it. And um, yeah, he's he's always going to be like egg for me. So whenever I see him on screen, I always shout egg. <laughs> That's just like a thing that I do. And I was like, oh yeah, he's in it. Because he did kind of like pop up in things like this and was doing um, quite popular TV around yeah. that time. Anything else you want to say, guys, before we head to the scores? I wanted to find out what you guys thought about that that arc in general of the night out. Did did you think there was enough story in it? Well, this was this. I think this is kind of an atypical night out because this is this is a night out when everything happens, when friends get together or people get together, and it becomes like the story of the night kind of things. And this is one of those epic nights out that you you do recall back to your to your. Well, with whenever you get back together with those with those friends again, you're saying, "Remember that night when when Moff got caught wanking by his mum, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's that's when we first had our kiss and stuff like that." And you know, there's those kind of big, really, really, really big nights out. So I, I kind of love that um, epicness about it, um, but it doesn't that doesn't happen every night. That's a really good point. Yeah, it yeah. feels kind of like magic almost. And they're already looking back on it as this magical night. Although yeah. there's also, I think it does a great job of capturing that like also nothing happened on that night. Like my favorite scene, I think, is when they're talking about Star Wars in the kitchen. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's just perfect. <laughs> when they get to the end and they're like, R2-D2, right? Oh, now I've got the thing. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> and the ending of the whole story as well as you're saying Meg about that that nothing happened where it's this kind of, that kind of like 
Hollywood kiss in the night, um, and there's there's just on like a rainy high street, and there's a Greg's. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw that. I was like, and Greg's. It's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went to Greg's today for lunch. <laughs> but how how nice is that? They're just kind of like the glamour and the beauty in the mundane. I thought that's quite just a nice, quite endearing ending. Yeah. Should we head to the scores? Let's do it. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five and you can have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Sarah, with your recommendability. I'm I'm putting it at a three um, because I think I would recommend it to all my peers. I wouldn't recommend it to my mum. <laughs> mum, if the door's locked. <laughs> <laughs> this is why the door might be shut. Um, so three, Meg. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's um, a solid three. Uh, definitely, if you know someone is going to enjoy it, then it's a it's a great watch, uh, but maybe not for absolutely everybody. Helen. Yeah, so like the nostalgia hits hard when watching this. And I've, I think probably about 70% of it holds up. Mm. And then there's some bits that just don't. And... Like his I, boss at work, for example. Yeah, that was a bit creepy and a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, but like some of the stuff is just like really, really timeless. And, you know, we, we've all been to like parties where you just end up talking gibberish and you think you've met like your new best mate and you're going to be mates for life and you never speak to them again. <laughs> so it really captures that being young and partying, um, but of a particular time a little bit as well. Um so yeah, I really, really did enjoy watching it. But I think as time goes on, how people are going to connect with it coming through is probably going to be a little bit less. But I'm going to give it a four because I don't think we get that many films like this being made in England still where, well, the UK, I should say, um, where it's just really just like 
we're going to do this and we're just going to like put all these ideas through and we're going to like have a really simple story and do it in a really creative way. So it, it makes me a little bit nostalgic for 1999 where anything was possible and you could get kind of a film made on a small budget and people would go and see it. So I'm just going to give it a four because I really like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it a 3.8 here because I don't know... I can't think of anyone who I'd recommend it to who hasn't seen it already. My recommendation would be, guys, Human Traffic is on Netflix. We haven't seen it in 20 years. Go and watch it because it, it, it'll blow your mind in certain ways. But uh, if I beg, I was to meet you in the pub and I would, I would never think to recommend this film to you because it's so far removed and it's just so odd in places. Unless you want, unless I said, look, John Sims in it is really good. Sean, Park, Sean Parks, Andrew Lincoln... And also Richard Coyle, who I really liked. He used to be in the TV show called Coupling um, as one of the main characters. He was the guy that um, Moff was talking to about Star Wars. And that was the first time I saw him. So there's all these, these things like that which may pull you through, but it's just, I think it's very much encapsulates British youth culture at that kind of time. And if you were born 10 years before or after it coming out, then, then definitely watch it again. But other than that, I'm not sure who I'd recommend it to. Apart from say, you haven't watched it for a while, watch it again. So 3.8. Uh, repeat viewing score, Sarah. How many, so how many times have you seen this then, do you think? Um, I think I've probably seen it about five times. Um, and I'm going to give it a crisp five <laughs> as a repeat viewing. <laughs> because it's a mood piece, right? It's like you don't, nothing happens. Like there's, you can't get bored of a story because there isn't one. Um, you, just, you, can just, you can just return to it when you're feeling... A bit low, yep. a bit hungover. Maybe you're feeling happy with your friends, you said Kobe, and you just want to like relive some good times. So yeah, you can watch it again and again. Meg, will you watch this again? I'll give it a three point five. I would definitely watch watch it again if okay. Sarah invited me around and offered to put it on. I wouldn't say no. Put <laughs> <laughs> um, it on your big TV. Yeah, yeah, you can come watch it on my <laughs> big TV. Uh, yeah, three point five. I I probably wouldn't watch it alone by I think, myself. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting if you watch it with other people who'd seen it before and are revisiting it. Helen, uh, I don't know how many times I have seen it. A few, quite a few, probably a few of those. I don't really re recall being that kind of like sober watching them. Um, so do they count? I don't know. Uh, how much I'm going to watch it. I, I enjoy this nice, nice little nostalgia hit, but there's some bits that are a bit like, oh, <laughs> it's not quite landing. I don't know whether watching it more times now will take a little bit of the nostalgia hit away. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 3.5 for repeat. I, I really enjoyed rewatching it again. Uh, I'm going to give it a four for all the times I watched it before. And it was, I, I was like I say, I was so surprised at how many things I did remember, like the bit where he sits down and watch, watches Bill Hicks before going out. There's things like that which I'm like, why do I remember that sequence? And I, I'm sure that, that I'm sure that's catalyzed me seeking out Bill Hicks because I, I think I've watched now everything that Bill Hicks. I've read I've read his scripts, which is really a really thing to do. Um, but I'm sure that's where my my fascination with Bill Hicks came from was this was from this film. Um, I didn't remember things like the Howard Marks interlude where the where the splits been passed around, for example. I didn't remember that happening. I remember the moth being caught by his mum. And I remember thinking that's. You can't the... really forget that, though, can you? It's almost like you've lived through his embarrassment yeah. <laughs> when you when you've watched that scene. So yeah, I would I would like to watch. Yeah, I think it's just really really interesting. I'm kind of 
nostalgia hit, like Helen says, is really, really high on this. Small screen score. Sarah? Um, I'm going to give it a four. I think it works well on the small screen. I think I would have been too stressed to watch it on a big screen. Um, there's just there's just so much colour and energy and chaos. Um, but I'm a bit intrigued as to what that would look like. But yeah, I'm I'm quite I'm quite satisfied with containing it on a TV. <laughs> containing it, uh, Meg. Yeah, I think um, I think four for me as well. Uh, I guess because it's kind of this like low budget um, '90s film, it feels appropriate to be watching it maybe on a, a smaller screen and yeah I don't know if there was like a screening in a cinema um what that experience would be like probably a very different experience <laughs> <laughs> Helen yeah so again I've only ever seen it like on a home size screen and I don't know how the quality would stand to be like blown up on a big screen so I think rather than seeing it uh at a cinema, I think in company is the preference. So at home with with company. So I'm going to give it a five for small screen. I'd quite like to see this at Prince Charles with other people who are fans of the film. Um, I think it'd be interesting, as, as Meg said, just to see what that what that's like. But other than that, I think it's I think it's fine. I'm not sure. I mean, Helen talked about the music not hitting, and I'm thinking back to that made me think about Train Spotting, and Train Spotting's got a few of the like all like big songs like Lust for Life, which are, you know, big stone cold classics. But then also things like uh Underworld Born Slippy wasn't a hit until that film came out. So that would have been that would have would have been bought for very cheap. And there's some songs in this which are really cool, like some Massive Attack and some Primal Scream, Cafe Del Mar, some some songs which really kind of pulled me back into the, that kind of era. Um but then there were I don't there wasn't really like a it's not that big bang Yeah, a, a moment where the big banger made sense. So um but I'd like to see if that was different on the big screen, is what I'm saying. So I think I'm going for a 4.2 because I think it works fine. And my previous viewings were on a rented TV um, in the Studentville with a VHS tape. So this is definitely the best quality I've ever seen this film in. Um, so 4.2, engagement score, Sarah. Um, I think I'm going to give it a three. Uh, I think as as you were saying, Kobe, there's this kind of episodic structure to it which means that you can yeah. dip in and out and you don't actually have to watch the whole <laughs> thing if you don't want to yeah yeah the three meg sorry i took a swig of beer just as i should have been naughty <laughs> don't worry i i'll give it a 3.5 um maybe that's because it was my first time viewing um i didn't have any urge to to switch it off or to walk away and take a break uh but yeah i can definitely see that it's um if you've seen it a bunch of times, it's a great one to to have on and you can maybe watch a couple of your favourite scenes even um, because of its sort of vignette structure. What did you guys make of them speaking to the camera so much? I didn't remember that aspect of it. I found it a bit off-putting at some points. Let me know that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know what you mean. It feels a bit... Um, it, it does feel a bit kind of, I don't know, jarring. But I guess I quite like how it's... it's quite self-aware i don't know if you guys mm. got that impression it, it's it's quite conscious of itself being quite silly and and a bit of a, an assault so like it's like what you were saying helen about the some of the dialogue and some of these like corny quips that in any other context would be corny but for some reason they managed to get away with it like when he's like she's a a real headbanger 
It's like, oh God, who says that? <laughs> but it works, you know? <laughs> it doesn't take itself too seriously. And I think that goes like across for everything. And, you know, the, that, that era of filmmaking was kind of doing things that maybe were a little bit different. And maybe we're kind of like used to people like breaking the fourth wall all the time now. Like it just happens like mm. all the time. And probably when they were doing it, they were like, oh, we're doing this like crazy thing. And I, th- I, th- I think it works. I think it works in that kind of way where it's it's quite endearing, but not necessarily like lands all the time. Uh, yeah, so engagement score, Helen. Uh, so I'm going to give it 3.5 as well. I mean, not much happens. A group of friends go out. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> like, it's not like... like a safe cracking movie where you have to like work out who did the double cross and did the thingy and at the end it turns out it was a chicken there's nothing like that it's just people having a good time uh and taking loads of drugs and that's kind of it and that's fine uh, i'm gonna go for a four here mainly because it has been a de- two decades since i last saw it so i was keen to see if i'd remembered as much um as i as it did so i was kind of paying attention to it for subsequent watches, I don't think I'll be as engaged. And I think it would be, it is probably a film that I could, you know, just be in the background doing other stuff and uh, just looking up when more interesting bits for me come to the fore. Uh, but uh, yeah, 4.1 on this rewatch. And that gives us an overall score of 3.81875. Yeah. All right. Good. I would, yeah. I, I thought yeah. it was going to be lower than that, <laughs> to be honest with you. But. Uh, <laughs> there we go thank you so much for joining us Sarah and Meg it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, when you said human traffic I was genuinely like I don't know what this is going to be like <laughs> it was either going to be brilliant or a bit embarrassing a bit of both in places I think and it was brilliant <laughs> yeah 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 we, we, we struck a happy I, medium those, I think so like, like <laughs> the sperm guy for example I just wonder if he wakes up and I go oh for fuck's sake why did I I'm sure I loved doing it at the time, but but now thinking, oh yeah, I was a guy that was covered in slime. I mean, I just can't stop thinking about sofas in nightclubs. Like, I don't really visit them very often, but like, do they still put sofas? Did they in ever nightclubs? put sofas in nightclubs? Yeah, there's one in the Prince of Peckham. Oh wow, there was always stuff. There was seating by the side in places, but like sofas. The, my, my nightclub had sofas. Did it? Wow. Yeah. That cleaning bill must have been pretty like. I don't think they clean them. No, nice. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's okay. I, I, I was going to say um, tapping Ash off the balcony in the nightclub. <laughs> what a health hazard. <laughs> <laughs> just all the smoking just makes me feel a bit ill a little bit as well. It's just like, oh, guys. <laughs> well, Sarah, Meg, it tells where we can find you guys online. Sure. So I'm at Words by Meg on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there. And yeah, please, please come follow me and talk to me. And <laughs> I don't know, maybe don't talk to me. <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> don't talk to me. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well at, um, at Sarah Collar, C-O-L-R. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Okay, Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K-Wood 
audio, tell them Flixwatch has sent you. You just heard a stripped media production.